0: Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hey everyone, I'm ready with this new episode, as well as a new book uh, which I've been reading, which is called The Billion Dollar Whale. Billion Dollar Whale is an international bestseller, uh, which is written by Tom Wright. It's about uh, a business school graduate called Cholo who went on to uh, build this, who's like a modern Catsby, who, along with Goldman Sachs, was uh, in the biggest heist of this century. And uh, uh, you know, if you like a book like Bad Blood, you would really like Bill and Dollar Will. Uh, which talks about the creed in the financial world, and in this particular episode, uh, episode I'm, I'll be speaking to Ayush Jaiswal, who's the founder of A-Pace to take, and how he's able to uh, raise raise funding for his uh, for his platform, and uh, also able to get Swiggy's co-founder on board. Uh, let's listen to this show. Hi, everyone. This is Rohit from Life's i and thrilled to have Ayush Jaiswal, uh, who's a co-founder and CEO of. Tech which is an intensive training program dedicated to upskilling India's five million software engineers and giving them access to borderless job opportunities he's also a Kairos fellow and serves as, as an advisor for startup and in India uh, welcome to the show Ayush
1: hey good to be here thanks thanks for inviting me
0: awesome so you know um uh, you have a very interesting journey because uh, uh you know you you started uh, you got to start into startups at, at a very early age what uh, inspired you to start to tech and what got you interested in startups
1: i think uh, just uh, I, so i came to delhi i, I belong to var right and and i've always uh, loved programming uh, at an early age in school i used to code a lot and I just want to learn how to build apps, right? That's it. And, and I came to uh, Delhi for that reason. I joined a college and I wanted to learn how to build apps, but I did not really have the, had the best uh, of the experiences with respect to um, uh, college. I, after six months into college, I, I really started feeling frustrated and, and I was not really learning fast enough. And that was concerning me. I looked at the curriculum uh, and I just realized that the whole curriculum, if I sort of go on that path, the, the pace of my learning would not be as high. Um, and I came to like, you know, a fundamental problem, which I realized exists is that, um, tech change is really fast. Every couple of years, there is, there is something else, which is cool. And, um, because of that, uh, it's just impossible for education institutions uh, to to keep up with that pace, right? So I saw a massive gap between academia and corporates. And I think tech education needs reinvention. And that's why I, I started Pesto.
0: Interesting. I think uh, a lot of people have talked about how education needs a reinvention, but I'm really glad to see, uh, you know, you you building a, such a, such a, such a great company, uh, but you know how how space to take different from others in, in this space uh, because uh, you not only are preparing students but you also help students get jobs. Correct me wrong.
1: Hundred percent. I think the larger problem which we are trying is that uh, we realized uh, you know at, at a point I was visiting U.S. and I, I you know took a Uber ride to uh, the conference. I was visiting there for one of the conferences and. Um, I realized that the Uber driver wanted to be a programmer. And this is way back, like three to four years back. And, and, and I, oh. I, I realized that, you know, I could code, but uh, once I got to know about how much valued engineers are in, in uh, SF, it just blew my mind. And that, that's when I realized that there is so much talent which we have in our country, um, but they just won't get access to certain opportunities uh, across the world, not just in SF, right? Um, and, and, and that was the, you know, sort of uh, problem uh, which, which really excited me as well. And I've always been concerned about education and corporates being far and you have to bring them together. And I realized that, uh, you know, if we, if we play it smartly, uh, we'll be able to do it, right? So I think uh, getting people up to pace, bringing them, you know, up to standards and, and uh, getting them enough soft skills and then getting giving them access to to the market opportunities is something uh which we thought would make total sense so yeah that's that's how we ended up helping people get get job opportunities as well
0: interesting and uh you know what what do you see are the current challenges in in, in traditional uh academia uh, you know a lot of, lot of students do look at colleges as uh as a, as a credential, or or you know they need to be there for four years to to really learn. Through can can somebody learn in you know uh, say six to nine months about about a programming language and and get a job? Uh, 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 I mean that is what Best Tech has been trying to do. But but what do you think are the current challenges in traditional academia? And any any thoughts on what on the national education policy of 2020, where they have brought some changes not only in uh, technical education but in other sectors as well?
1: absolutely i think i wish i wish it happened uh, during my time as well i think it's it's brilliant I, uh, system and uh, i i definitely feel that you can learn on your own pace i think uh, it's it's just like you know very natural that uh, depending upon who has interest in what uh, they should be able to run at their own pace in those things right like um you know it, it's like if if i'm in uh, in, in school and I have interests in academia only and, and you know, different people have different interests. So it's like, because I have, uh you know, sort of higher amount of interest in certain things, I should be able to run faster, right? So I think that that saves a lot of time, it's much more efficient and, and people uh, will really realize their true potential that way as well. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I mean, uh, super excited by the education policy for for sure and especially that the change is happening uh and and i feel that that's great uh to your other part of the question that why uh do we feel it's it's not about if we feel it's about why do we feel uh that you can learn things in uh, 69 months instead of four years i think um it's basically getting rid of inefficiencies right uh you know i think uh, tech education, especially, as I said earlier, that, that it needs reinvention. And the, the most basic thing is that uh, tech education is only 20 years old, right? Like internet itself is not very old. Um, and as tech education came in, uh, we tried to take it and fit it into an older concept of learning, which is 400 years old. Um, the whole concept of going to a building, studying for four years and thinking that the knowledge which you accumulate there will be relevant throughout your life the relevance of that knowledge is is not, uh, you know, sort of there anymore, because of whatever you learn, uh, a big part of that will change in two to five years from now. So that is why I think um, take education needs to be a lot more continuous in nature. And and the basics and and things which which are necessary for you uh, to learn how to learn or for you to have the boilerplate to be able to learn is actually much less than what we think it is.
0: Okay. And, and you also see you know students who have passed out from pesto day coming back and taking up other courses which which increases the you know lifetime value of the of the, of the customer who's there with pesto day
1: uh, no i think uh, i mean once you are a pesto person you are a pesto person uh, you know pesto fellows uh, a lot of people think that pesto is a 3 month program or a 4 month program um it's 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 not true um we actually continue to support people uh even after they graduate that those 16 weeks are necessary because uh we feel that getting them up to pace is important in the beginning like you need that acceleration but after that we continue to invest in our community um and uh, i think in coming years uh, we would be a lot more aggressive with it
0: okay and from uh, what i understand is that uh uh you work on ISA model where you don't charge uh, the students uh, for for the course, but if they make an X amount of value and above that, so you 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 uh, they have to pay you over, over the period of three three years, which is which is very really, uh, similar to what the Lambda School model is. Uh, what were the some of the challenges uh, you faced when you were trying to build something like that? Because uh, Indians are very sensitive to. Uh, to you know uh, a prestige which a, which a certificate or a degree uh, gives you or they're very particular about the institute uh, that uh, they're, they're coming out from but what, what are the, some of the challenges are because this is very interesting what you're trying to build uh, but how did you how are you able to convince software engineers in India to to be a part of uh, H2D?
1: Got it. Uh, I think uh, there are there are multiple questions I see here. I think first of all I'll I'll clarify on ISA, that why it's beautiful, where it comes from, what's the history, right? Uh, I was just writing a piece on that okay. as well. Uh ISA is is actually not new. It's it's more than fifty years old. Uh, there's a there's a paper which came out in I think 1973 uh, which said um, the role of governments in education, right? Uh, the whole the whole uh, discussion was around that who should pay for a, stu- uh, for, for a student's education? Uh, should a government pay? Because if you're educated, you actually affect uh, the society around you, right? So it's, it, is this a public thing? And a lot of governments have to do that, right? Uh, the second way is that uh, you pay for your education yourself, but the government gives you loan, right? And you pay it over, over a period of time. And the third model is that parents pay for your education, but that that creates a problem that when parents pay for education, they are unable to save for their uh, retirement, right? And that kind of like creates a cycle of, uh, you know, people who who face trouble uh, towards the end, right? So there were different kinds of models which came up. And uh, one of the solutions which was proposed in that paper was the following, that education institutions' success should be measured by the success of their students. And their incentives should be tied to the incentives of the student right uh, so whenever that person goes through any education institution the institution will get a fixed percentage of their income over a fixed amount of time period and that would only and only happen when they make money over a certain threshold right so this was the concept which was proposed back in the day um if anyone wants to explore i think role of governments in education great paper That's where you should start. I think if you want to understand ISIS. Um, The the second point is that Yale University uh, actually started this as well. Um, And and they've been doing it for years, for decades. Um, It somehow did not gain popularity uh, because I think applying ISA is, is just a business model, right? And as I said earlier, that, you know, just like SAS found a, a, a beautiful way to sort of make payments happen via subscriptions, right? Increase the LTV of the customer. It's win-win for both the parties, Thanks. Low commitment, yada, 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 right? So I think uh, the similar situation happened here is just a way to make payments. Uh, for universities, it may not work because it just requires a lot of upfront investment when it comes to that, right? Right. Um, when online education came in, uh, I think five years ago or so, um, then this concept uh, gained a lot more popularity uh, because you could deliver value in, in without investing a lot in infrastructure, right? And then that really ended up creating um, a win-win situation for all the parties, right? Um, at Pesto, we, we do the same, like our focus is to always create a win-win situation for everyone. How can we provide value to best of fellows? And best fellows are are people who are actually uh, sort of really good developers who have a uh, good amount of experience and and they're really looking uh, for the next thing in their career, right? And then we basically help them okay. uh, accelerate and and get exposure to the to the global economy, and and that ends up getting them into companies which, which, you know, have a certain kind of culture, uh, more complex computing problems, et cetera. Um, how do we convince them? I think uh, we convince them uh, by transparency, like just by being extremely transparent. I think um, uh, smart people understand that how we are trying to make it happen. Uh, we are extremely transparent in our approach. We're trying to uh, share what is, you know, skin in the game for us, why they win, and why the companies win as well, right? So I think we are constantly trying to find or or create uh, a situation in which all three of us win. So yeah, I think uh, just communicating that um, to to the, right. the developers helps. Right, okay. and uh, uh,
0: you know uh, you're also helping the students uh, uh, you know get jobs, uh, uh, which, which is another uh, another of your business model, which is uh little, little similar to what TopTal is but uh but you're not just limiting also to to freelancing projects uh so it is, is that uh, is that model only be for those who have passed out from pesto tech or is it for anybody who can who can register on your side and you know start applying for jobs
1: so it's it's only for those who who are pesto fellows um now uh we basically uh i think toptal and and there are many other companies you know i, I would not get into uh, naming all of them. But I think it's just recruitment industry, right? Like, I think uh, there is, there was some half a million open job positions in US alone. Um, in in the pre-pandemic world, in the post-pandemic world, that number will increase because we just need so many more software developers. Um, the supply is just not there, right? And I, and I don't think that, you know, you, you were sort of, we were talking earlier today that, you know, about who would be your ideal competitor and things like that. I think unemployment is our ideal competitor, right? Uh, there is there is just so much to be done. Um, there are so many open job positions out there. There are so many credible, amazing developers in India, in Europe, in different parts of the world. And I feel that there's a massive opportunity uh, lying there and connecting all of them, right? And the way I feel um, the market will change is that with with you know the world moving remote, I expected all of this to happen over two to three years. Uh, but you know we just kind of had to swallow swallow it one in one go. Um, but what's going to happen is that as the companies go remote, uh, yes, the world's talent is at your disposal, but it also comes with a bunch of challenges, right? Challenges like how do you how do you uh, filter people? Like right? the cost of interviewing is actually going to go very high, right? Uh, software developers don't really enjoy interviewing. And and that is just non-productive, you know, uh, engineering time, right? Um, so I think companies would not want to engineer, sort of interview a lot of people. And if they open up a job position, which is open to, you know, remote, uh, they will probably get bombarded with applications and filtering will become a massive problem. So I think these challenges uh, are there. Uh, we are trying to solve those. I think we are trying to build the fastest hiring experience possible. And we are trying to get down to, less than 72 hours like our ideal scenario looks like a company gets in touch with us within 72 hours they have their ideal guy right so i think that that's that's something which we are Today I
0: have an interesting stat for you to you denote know that the founder of beautiful lives increased the social media presence by 10x they managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called social pilot social pilot is a cost effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts use lifecellmastery.com slash socialpilot to get a 14-day free trial. Interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, after, uh, 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 I mean, since we recorded during the, the, the COVID times, uh, what I realized is uh, a lot of top tier and elite colleges would survive uh, because, you know, not many people would want to give $50,000 for, uh, for virtual classes. But uh, but how, how do you think universities can attract students because a lot of, Colleges and universities are going to struggle. A lot of students would not want to, uh, you know, go back to colleges. They would want to take a gap year or maybe build something of their own. But but do you think there's going to be a lot of unbundling of education? Because uh, because all these colleges do offer education, network, credentials. Uh, but what are your thoughts on uh, on unbundling of education? And, and how can universities attract students, especially when it comes to medical uh, med uh, medical courses or say law courses uh,
1: what are, what are your thoughts i mean I'm, I'm quite quite incompetent in that like I' have absolutely no idea about how the medical industry works uh, but I okay. you know it's, it's I, I just think university is something i I, I don't understand that much uh, I also think that they'll be fine like you know there are there are so many people out there um, and who need good education? Like education is something which you know. this just, as I said earlier, that there are like so many open job positions that you know there just supply is not there. Similarly, you know, because the supply is not there, we just need a lot more good education institutions, right? I think the good ones will will not face any problem at all. Um, regarding streaming education, I do think uh, that there was a very funny thing going on around streaming and comparing. Uh, you know the universities with streaming services uh, which was fun, but I think uh they 'll be fine as as the you know sort of um, you know the world opens up I think there's also a lot of value uh which comes in you know apart from knowledge itself i think it's the it 's the environment it's 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 the social uh, sort of life which you have i 'm again like i don 't really have an expertise in that because i didn 't really spend a lot of time there but but I hear that People right. love their college life and, and friends they make there, etc. So, yeah, I think I don't really right. have a strong opinion on how they'll survive or not. I think they'll definitely exist. The good ones, right. uh, there's a need for them uh, for at least right. next 30, four years. Right. Um, but a big part of that, a big chunk of that will definitely move to you know, new things, uh, which will happen over the next uh, decade or so.
0: Got and, and do you think the ISA model can work in other verticals as well? Because a uh, lot of institutes, uh, you know, ask you to pay $30,000, dollars $50,000 for a year. It's uh, started happening in a lot of colleges here in India also, but there's no promise for jobs. But uh, but here in your model, you're saying, uh, you know, you, you study from us. Once you get a job or an X amount of money, that's when you, you pay back, which is a very interesting model where... Are you taking accountability mm-hmm. uh, for for the for the course content? Obviously, uh, but, the student has to uh, uh, has to study. But but do you think other the ISA model can work in other verticals as well?
1: I think ISAs can replace loans in general. You
0: know, uh, at a lot of
1: places, uh, it's it's again the applicability of it. It's again it'll take um, you know sort of a lot of time because there's a lot of uh, you know. These industries move slow, right? But I think the use cases, if I think about it, um, you know, uh, let's say, uh, you know, uh, the medical industry, you had, you had uh, some situation in which uh, you can't afford uh, a very expensive operation, like a a liver transplant or something like that. Um, Or, or, you know, there are a lot of uh, underprivileged people who, who unfortunately can't afford a lot of things, right? And in medical, you don't even have to think like, you know, you would do it, right? Like people... So many people face trouble because they don't get access to loans, right? So I think um, if you just tie a percentage of their salary and and you know there's an arrangement in which you basically take that for next whatever years, um, you know um, I think that really helps in in you know sort of tackling that problem. And similarly, in real estate, you want to buy a house if you have a certain credit score and and a certain amount of you know credibility with your employer. Uh, great, like no need to get a loan you. You know, sort of. So the person who is actually giving the debt also feels secure because uh, they know that they'll take the fixed percentage of their salary from whatever you know uh, sources. Um, and I think uh, a lot of magic can happen there for sure.
0: Correct. And uh, you know, do you think the remote work is is temporary, or, or do you think even after the pandemic gets over, uh, it's going to be there for 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 a long term, uh, especially in in context to uh, ending companies where they're not very uh, comfortable with it, with the remote work, but now we are forced to work remotely. But but, but what, what do you think? Uh, do you think uh, it's it's a very temporary phase, which is going to go over after two or three years?
1: I mean, absolutely not. I think uh, uh, I was actually thinking that it'll take two to three years for the world to adopt uh, remote work. Uh, but it, it happened pretty quickly, it's, it's very hard to go back. And again, uh, I think my world is very narrow, right? Uh, still, uh, my world is very limited to the tech world, and I keep mentioning that. Uh, I, I understand that there are so many things in which going remote is extremely difficult. So I'm not making a general, generic comment, but I'm making a comment for people in the tech universe. I think tech will be the, the first to adopt remote work and then it will slowly move to other industries but i think for tech uh, there is no going back i have uh, most of the people i know in san francisco are already moving out because the rent prices are highest there right and and people just feel uncomfortable uh, so many people i know in india uh, uh, you know who who just want to work remote because they are with their families now they are working from their hometowns etc and, and they're happy right um, pesto has had so many uh, you know so graduates have been working from Coimbatore, Darjeeling, you know, oh. Varanasi, different places uh, since last two, three years. And, and they're extremely happy, right? And they're satisfied and they're taking care of their family. And India is a very family oriented country. Like yeah. um, the culture is like that, right? My mom says that I should just go through your own program and, and come back to Varanasi, right? <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm waiting for that day um, to go back as well, right? So I think Uh, when top talent wants to sort of, uh, go remote, it will be very hard for companies to not do that. We saw that pattern from the likes of best companies in the world, right? Facebook, Twitter, etc. And I feel that trend is going to continue. It's very, it's very hard uh, to go back. Like my, my expectation was that, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, we would, we would have small to mid cap companies go remote, um, uh, over next two to three years. But now even large cap companies have gone remote and I just feel it's just too good to go back. Uh, And again, like I'll I'll specify here that um, when I say remote work, I mean remote work. There are different things which we'll be confused with. There is remote work, right, in which you can work from a co-working space. You can work from a cafe, etc. Go out, meet your friends, blah, 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 right. Then there is work from home in which you are at home and you're working there. And then the third one is work from pandemic, right? In which you can't see anyone, <laughs> you're very unhappy <laughs> and and you're just you know, struggling with your social life. So I think it's important to differentiate between these three. Uh, I think remote work will survive, work from pandemic will probably not.
0: Right, right. Interesting. And, and, and do you think in the last oh, a couple of months, have you seen a rise of Indian software engineers getting uh, you know placed in in, in global companies the US you uh, do you think that is, has that is increased or do you think that has really brought in a lot of competition across across all the companies
1: I think there's a massive trend not just in India but across the world and, and uh, it's happening in Ukraine Africa Latin America everywhere right like you know as I said earlier that, that there was always a, always a shortage of supply a shortage of people who can do great work and and when the world opened up You just have this talent pool, which is there. How do you get to that talent pool is a massive opportunity, right? Like people don't know yet. Um, I think there's a lot of innovation to be done there, but I definitely feel that uh, not just just foreign companies hiring Indian developers, but Indian companies hiring Indian developers. I mean, we are just looking at it from a global context, but you can also think that uh, there are a lot of developers in Bangalore, a lot of great companies in Bangalore, Mumbai, actually struggle to hire developers as well. Right. And now when, when the, when the, you know, borders have opened up and you can hire anyone from anywhere. Uh, there are a lot of people in Jaipur and in different Calcutta, et cetera, different parts of the country um, who are getting access to those opportunities as well.
0: Right, And uh, you know, what, what are the most in-demand languages, which students uh, have taken up from, from pestotech. and in your view you know uh, a young listener who's still in his college or in his school wants to learn more about coding uh, what, what do you think are the, are the top uh, you know uh, languages which they should take up? Got it.
1: I think Pestotech it's it's majorly been uh, JavaScript, First, like JavaScript. Okay. we focus on okay. React and Node uh, but apart from that looking at the global trend I think JavaScript uh, Python and Golang are, are the three most uh, popular Sort of languages uh, with React and Angular being, you know, popular in front end. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's there. But I think I would I would um, I would recommend to understand the languages before you actually jump into it. Like you know, just just doing what is the next uh, shiny thing uh, is not really a good choice. Um, I think just looking at what the language offers and what do you actually, you know, sort of what's your style of work? How do you enjoy doing? What is the kind of work you're looking to do? And then making a decision is, is uh, probably a smarter choice.
0: Got it. And, uh, you know, Pestrotech uh, came, came into news recently, because uh, you, uh, you were able to uh, get involved from uh, Swiggy on board as, as the other co-founder. Uh, you know, how, how did that happen? And uh, how's, how, how's, the, how's uh, you know, the team shaping up? And what is, what is uh, you know, Raul's part in helping out Pestrotech? Uh,
1: Got it. Uh, it's it's very interesting. So every interview I get asked this question. I think I think my go-to answer is going to be that I'll let I will tell that now. <laughs> That's my best way to dodge it. Um, but a simple answer would be that we have been we have been friends. He was he was uh, our angel uh, last year, and in fact, all all three founders of Swiggy were uh, our angel. And uh, I met all of them uh, in like a thirty-minute meeting, and and we really got together pretty well from the first meeting. And then we used to catch up every now and then. So we were really good friends, right? And I think um, we're actually blessed to have him because, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, the world was swelling apart. Uh, We knew that the opportunity is there, but it was a very um, sort of intense time. And I think, uh, uh, you know, he really is passionate about uh, doing something for developers and and, and he really associates himself with, uh, you know, the mission and uh, he used to advise us earlier in and help us out in general with strategy et cetera. and i think um uh, because of his passion i think uh, this happened not not because i am a magician uh, it is it is because of his passion right and i think um it's it's really important to understand that it's it's, it's not as complex as people think if you just mm-hmm. love if you love doing something in, in longer scheme of things, like 10 years down the line, if, if Pesto becomes a public company, now would be, now would be a very, very early stage, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter, um, how things end up, uh, you know, sort of at an, at an early stage. And I think, uh, he, he's adding massive value. I have so much to learn from him. I, I, I have evolved in last three months, uh, in a massive way as well. Uh, and I think, uh, we have built a really good leadership team. Um, we can, Uh, now see how uh, sort of uh, Pesto's approach is changing. And I think that that is really adding a lot of value with respect to ramping up the quality of the program.
0: Right. Obviously, you're solving a, solving a big problem, and uh, you, you're doing really well when it comes to uh, to solving tech education. Uh, uh, but you know, I, I want to uh, you know, I, I read somewhere on Twitter that uh, it is Y Combinator and not Lambda School, which is uh, which is uh, you know, unbundling the education. Uh, do, do you think uh, you know uh, learning schools like uh, you know Lambda School, uh, Unacademy, uh, yeah, pesto Day, uh, uh can they can they unbundle education? Because we've seen the unbundling, unbundling of education to happen. Obviously Y Combinator has done a done a done a massive job, but but what are your thoughts on that? On accelerator versus learning schools.
1: I mean you've included pesto as well, so I'll say they'll kill it. Like they'll they'll totally
0: <laughs>
1: revolutionize education. But um uh, I, I think all of all, all of the names you took and many more, right, are doing some really, really uh inspiring work i think uh education as as an industry there are a lot of people who saw it early in in next 10 years you we were expecting massive growth now the the the, the numbers you we were expecting in 10 years is actually going to happen in three years right mm-hmm. um and and that is that is massive and i think uh each one of uh the companies you named and and many more operate in very different uh market segments like somebody operates in the test prep uh segment somebody uh sort of Uh, creates more software developers, somebody uh, accelerates, you know, their career at at a different stage, uh, so on and so forth. I think there's a space for a lot more people, um, you know, either for these people to become a lot bigger. And and, uh, I just feel that the market is just so huge that, you know, uh, we we just need a lot more of people looking into education. Um, The next point, which you mentioned, which I'm a big fan of, uh, Y Combinator, right? So I grew up, (laughs) I grew up being a, a PG fan. Like I've, I've, I've always taken Paul Graham's blog as as my bible, um, and I've really loved it. I've followed everything which which he talked about and things like that. And then I came across Y Combinator and checked out Startup School. And uh, you know, uh, I I had the experience to sort of see how the program works with uh, Innovate as well. One of my really good friends, uh, Ritesh, runs this uh, uh, co-working space, which was in the program. Um, I really feel that the learning which they would have over the th- three year time, three month time period is actually a lot more than than what they would in a business school. And again, I haven't been to a business school, so my opinions are biased. Um, but I think the way things are shaping up, uh, Y Combinator again is very, very new. Uh, and I think I would, if I was given a choice, I would pick Y Combinator over Harvard, there So I think... It's, it's really, really
0: Try to build a company. Yeah. Current. And, uh, and, you know, uh, uh, in the last couple of months, we've seen a massive exit from Byte Junior uh, to Byju's. Uh, and, you know, do you think we'll have, we'll, we'll get to see a lot more exits, especially in the education space where you have size like margins? Uh, and can you also foresee, you know, big public companies, especially, you know, where we all foresee Byju's uh, to come out? Uh, with their own public IPO in the next couple of years, but do you think there's a massive opportunity in the ethics space
1: now? Oh, 100 percent. And I would I would focus less on exits. I would focus more on exi- uh, sort of sort of IPOs, right? I think yeah. I think great companies are getting built. People have realized the potential which Indian education system has, uh, Indian education market has, and and I think there are there are a lot more IPO companies coming their way. Uh, education is is as you know the industry in general is is quite awesome. It's sustainable. Uh, the numbers add up and and I think it's it's profitable from a long-term perspective as well. We have already seen so many companies prove that. Uh, and I'm just excited, right? I'm, I'm sure there is a lot more for me to learn. Um, a lot more which I don't understand. Um, but I think, um, you know, uh, looking at it from this point of view, it's it's massive. Like and and I'm actually more excited about uh education, Indian education companies going global. I think that is something which excites me a lot. And, and you know, for example, you mentioned White Hat Junior. It's, it's phenomenal, right? I was so happy to see that. Um, and I was so happy to see their penetration in the US, right? It's, okay. yeah. it's, it's phenomenal. So I think more and more companies are going to do that. And, and uh, we will realize the true potential when we actually have a lot more companies going IPO and, and uh, you know, becoming a lot more larger.
0: I quickly want to do the top three.
1: Do you have any favorite business book? Oh, there's a lot of them, but I think I, I'll actually choose this one. Uh, there's there's a book called The Barcelona Way, right? Um, for some reason, I have a bias for that book. It's it's uh, it talks about how do you build a high performance culture in in organizations, and the example is taken of. Um, of Barcelona football club uh, oh. and, and how the coach built that culture. And I really love that book. I think it's one of my favorites on on culture.
0: So, nice. We'll we will put out in the show notes. Uh, if you could go back in time when you started building a Pesce day, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently?
1: I would sleep more. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a time uh, last year, um, our entire team, we are just. I think we are fortunate to have some people who, uh, who are very, very hardworking people. And, and we just enjoy doing crazy things. But uh, for a long time, we actually ran our classes from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. So oh. all of our employees, all of our students uh, who are Pesto graduates actually studied from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m., uh, which is oh. insane to mm-hmm. think about in retrospect, right? So I think, uh, yeah, I would just sleep more. I think I would, I would take care of my health more um, and encourage others to do the same. I think that's, that's one mistake I made.
0: Correct. And do you have any favorite online tools? for example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom?
1: So... Oh, there, there's again a lot of them. But I think uh, in terms of productivity, I enjoy Superhuman a lot. It's the hmm. email client. It's, it's really fast. And, and I love that. And there's another one I'm having fun with. I can actually uh, show off a little bit here. <laughs> the the mm-hmm camera, which is uh, pretty amazing. There you go. Oh, nice. So I think it's it's pretty cool to give presentations. You can sort of, you know, add a screen, share, you know, sort of uh, and, and oh, talk on the background. That's my desktop. So, yeah, I think you can talk about that. You can do these things. Uh, it's basically making use of Zoom backgrounds yeah. and doing funny things and you can be silly and you know sort of do these things it's it's pretty it's pretty fun <laughs> it's
0: interesting what, what's the name of
1: that it's called mm-hmm, so that you can say it using sort of while having lunch as well i think the founder of uh evernote built this oh, it's, nice. it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome still at like an early stage uh they've released their beta but um yeah it's mm-hmm, it's double M-H-double m h double m
0: We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, uh, are you, uh, or what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about Tech? Uh,
1: I mean, I, my email, I think that's 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 the best uh, which works. I'm pretty active there.
0: Correct. Uh, you know, it's often said that wisdom does not uh, come from age, it comes from awareness. It's really a privilege to speak to somebody uh, who's so young and so ambitious and uh, your know, best of luck for your company what you're trying
1: to build out here in from india and thank you so much for taking your time speaking to us <laughs> thank you good good spending time thanks for inviting me yeah appreciate
0: it thanks for listening to the life self-mastery podcast where we teach you how to start and grow your online business for more information visit rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com